Spokenly. Hi guys, it's Andian. Thanks today for downloading or streaming yet another episode of Spoken Label. As you may or may not be aware, Spoken Label was started in the beginning of 2006, and currently we have well over 150 sessions recorded and sent. Although you can find it on various networks, the full archive is available for streaming and downloading at Spoken Label Full Stop bandcamp.com it is a free download or free stream in there but obviously if you feel like chucking me a few pennies that way it'd be eternally grateful to help me keep this podcast going and keep improving my equipment etc enjoy speak to you soon bye bye spoken hi guys and the end again spoken label back in the house over at the sip okay yeah second one of the truck we've been here now obviously people that know me know this is this is where I do um, with old friends speak easy. And if we do this is the pre speak easy recording, who's sat with me? Amanda Stewart. Yeah. My my gorgeous co host. Now we've got another lady with us tonight as well. I wanted to I wanted to bet her for the first time a few minutes ago, but it's always good when we do a spoken like podcast because people give recommendations. And I got a recommendation on this post and I can't remember what's now. <laughs> it doesn't help matters. Some somebody recommended you to me. So I imagine I know who it would be actually. And I've, I've clean forgot who it was, so maybe Leon the pig farmer, because he, yes. like, oh, he is a yes. wonderful poet. Yes, it was him. Yes. That you know, that gentleman, yes. He's always very kind about me, which yeah. I appreciate. <laughs> he is Leon. Now um, Jack is real name is of yes. course. But I, Jack's been here to a few times now, he hasn't. Mm. He did a wonderful write-up for us a few months ago, saying yes. if he lived more locally, he'd be here every month. So. Yeah, lovely. Now, Amy, who sat next to her, I'll let her introduce herself in a minute. Um, she's come on Leon's recommendation. So, Amy, do you want to introduce yourself to everybody? Tell them who you are, and obviously where you're living now, and where you originally come from, and where all your work, your creative endeavours started from. Okay, so um, my name is Amy King. I'm a queer northern spoken word poet, uh, originally from Grimsby, um, which never gets the best reaction, but it's not that bad. <laughs> um, yes, I currently live in Didsbury. I moved to Manchester about nine months ago, and the scene here is really, really good. It's um, I was originally in Sheffield before this, and it, that always feels like going home. The scene there is just lovely, full of really wonderful people and poets. Um, but yeah, it's exciting to be in Manchester now, where it's, it almost feels even bigger. Probably because it's a bigger city, but um, it's exciting to be here. Yeah, certainly with the poetry side around here, um, that's somewhere in the vicinity of 30-odd different nights and the mm. reckon monthly nights in the area. Yeah, and that's yeah. And it's expanded all the time, so it's incredible. So, mm. But in relation to yourself then, where did your creative stuff come from then? Um, I think I, I think I was always um, a kind of story writer for years. Cause it just, mm. I just didn't even consider poetry as an mm. option at all and then I took a creative writing module at university and our, our teacher was um she was very insistent that we we did write some poems and oh, I will yeah it was good it was a good kind of kickstart a lot of us were kind of like what is this what do we, what do we write about we all kind of went straight for things like nature and love and all this stuff because we didn't really know what we could write about and then suddenly it became yeah. this thing where you can suddenly anything can be a poem yeah. if you want it to be and you kind of want to write about it so then it kind of just stemmed from there and I started getting involved in open mic nights in Sheffield. I then started to I ran an open mic night for um, a little while until oh, I moved here. Really, which was, is wonderful. Um, it's still running now, which is great. It's kind of been passed past the torch, oh, which makes fantastic. me happy. Um, that's fantastic. I think this is the third night I've had a hand in running some form or another. Yeah, because they're brilliant and a great experience running an open mic night. It's lovely to see it from the other side. I think yeah, it is, and you learn a lot of running nights you do. That's why 
Like, and I'm and Amanda, in your case, I know when you first came on board, speak easy with me. You did, you never done anything like this before, had you? So no, I got dragged into it, <laughs> <laughs> kicking and screaming. Yeah. <laughs> like it was um, certainly in Amanda's case when Amanda first got into reforming poetry. This was her first time she ever read art. Yes. And it was oh, your story. Yeah, I was stood just behind where you sat now, and my legs were shaking. And I couldn't see the paper because I couldn't get my hands. Yeah. Were you like Amy first time you started? Oh, reading so them. shaky. I was always. I was never good at public speaking ever. I would not. I would. I'd hide from mm. it completely. And then it's. I don't know why. It's, it's strange because still doing presentations or kind of speaking in public spaces, I still struggle. But I think poetry, something else kind of takes over. And I don't know if it's because it's it's my kind of personal writing that I'm putting out there that it just feels more like I'm having a conversation with a room of people and it just somehow it took like years to get to this point like I was very shaky initially as well and yeah. it was it was a very daunting experience but nowadays it, it feels a little bit better <laughs> I think you do, you, the more you do it the more confidence you get so I've been in it mm. some for another about 12 years now yes and it took me years to stop shaking stop mumbling and learn to be oh, more God, precise yeah. everything you do slow so. down and yeah. yeah and make sure you're looking at people face in the face all the time certainly mm. now in your case then obviously back to you obviously Ag taught me all that now tell us obviously um is there any reoccurring themes in your work then if people are interested yes probably um it's, it's funny when you see when you notice kind of what images creep in to certain poems um i do i write a lot about um lgbt issues um just because i'm an out gay woman so to me it's, it's kind of natural to talk about kind of things that affect the community i happen to be in and kind of um, I work at a charity as well for LGBT people, so naturally I kind of meet a lot of people in, yeah, yeah, of course, in yeah. similar in a similar boat. So uh, quite a lot to talk about that. A lot of my a lot of my family. I don't know if they always want me to write about things <laughs> and talk about it. My mum gets very much like, don't do that, don't perform that while I'm there. But um, it's, yeah, kind of family, friends, sort of. A lot of my things are quite narrative driven. I've noticed, so it's kind of yeah. a lot about telling a story. Um, yeah. Now, obviously, when you were always been writing when younger, was there anybody that influences really got you writing? Oh, um, I think it's hard. I wasn't a big, I wasn't a big reader or writer as a kid, which is quite funny looking back. Cause like my family, are particularly, mm. I don't know if they'd say they were quite, I don't know if they're quite creative people or not. Maybe they, they are in their own way, but um, I think a big sort of, especially kind of poetry influence, probably. Um, I think watching people like Kate Tempest, oh, just yeah, she's, like, she's so, so popular, oh, Kate Tempest, she's incredible. She's, I just think you've watched her, Amanda. I've heard the name. Yeah, yeah it's well she's worth watching. Well watch. And it's like, it's, she's really having reinvigorated what the poetry circuit for certain people. Oh, massively. Yeah. I think it just suddenly became, it just kind of, that was the first, one of the first poets probably showed me what I could write about and that it's, it's much more of a performance as well instead of just yeah, maybe yeah. kind of the words on the page. It can be, it can be a much bigger thing than that, I think sometimes. So yeah, that was a very, she was a very big influence. And then I quite like, I ended up watching a lot of American um, kind of slam poetry, which is a very different thing. And I don't watch it as much anymore because I think that was initially the only thing that kind of felt available because it's quite yeah. obviously such a big thing in America to yeah. kind of have that very performative, very... I find, I find um, it very difficult to watch because I think because what they write about the tone is often relatability sometimes. Yes, yes, definitely. I think I definitely watch a lot more UK kind of base poets now that, just because it's it's great to know that there are like there are so many good poets and like in this country it's ridiculous and yeah. it's they're just there and i think because we have things like social media the platforms are so much oh yeah completely easy to find people so i think yeah. as well as the poetry circuit as well like and in every city now it's taken off everywhere you go yeah massive sequence like leeds has got a massive one Interviews with quite a few poets in Leeds and Bradford. Yes. And a massive circuit in Liverpool. But I would not really chat to many Liverpool. No, I've heard there's some good nights in Liverpool, but I haven't ventured there yet. But. Well, even even yeah. on people from Speak Easy, where some of the Steve the poet, Amanda, 
he drove he drove, he got he got but got a train over on Southport down here. Wow, really? <laughs> from Cumbria as well. Yeah, Cumbria we've had um, an American, okay. American poet been there twice called Juliet and I don't ask me to pronounce the surname. Sorry, Juliet. Travelling from Wales, not yeah. all North Wales. North Wales she <laughs> drove and her husband all drove away, done it twice he happened. Crikey. First time it took him four hours because we got stuck in traffic. Oh my god, that is extra termination that. <laughs> oh yeah, completely. How have you found the manager circuit then since you came onto it? Very loud, very loud, very exciting. I love it. It's, it's um, I think um, the nights just feel so big, and I feel like it's it definitely kind of pushing me as a writer. I think to kind of keep challenging myself because there's people doing such interesting things. Oh yeah, completely. Have yeah. you found your writing developed much since you come to Manchester? Yeah, it's definitely changed. I think the tone of things I write about um has changed a lot. Um, I think I, I used to be. I used to kind of go in all guns blazing, and now I think I've started to find like kind of subtler ways to write about topics. So it's definitely like improving me as a writer. Definitely. I think you do. The more you do with them, open mics, you tend to find the person you write develops on it. Mm. You think know, you find what you think when you jump into it all guns blazing, very calm, everything right. right. I don't need to do twenty barrels of somebody. No. Five no. barrels of cavity. Definitely, yeah. Kind of incorporate things like humour or kind of. I don't know, kind of getting people on the back foot maybe when you start a poem. I think that's always quite a good way to. I, I know you've got a good story about that, Amanda, haven't you? You want to tell me about the one when you made Dave Hartley cringe in here? Oh, well, that wasn't a poem. <laughs> that was prose. to do um, fiction, non fiction as well. Yeah. Oh, okay. Tell poetry. Yeah. So I read an extract from a short story, and yeah. I, I don't know how much I can say on the podcast. <laughs> Just say that's it. Fine. I put an adult warning up there. <laughs> <That's laughs> like there was like a that. part where um, a woman gets. Uh, taken over by an incubus demon who starts controlling her and she starts being more outrageous and she gets a guy in a closet and starts giving him oral sex and then she bites it off. <laughs> oh, I've heard of a film like that. that really, yeah, and that's excellent. What, people can't see where we're sat. We're sat right there in the front of the room. And there's a table sat on the left down, and Dave Hartley used to run this down, sat there, watching and wondering. He's done his legs die crossing, crossing. There's a lot of men sat there with their legs crossed, and a lot of women laughing. Oh, I think that's brilliant, though. I think you've got to, you've got to go to, you, you should be allowed to push it to different mm. topics and make people uncomfortable. I think that's that's okay. I think you succeeded that night, yeah, then, yeah, that's for sure. I've got a reputation, but I'm not going to. change. So, but have you found then, obviously, obviously coming to Mansion, and obviously, mm. like, I mean, you used to run your own night. Could you see yourself running a night in Manchester maybe sometime? Yes, I'd like to. Hopefully. Um, I think at the moment I'm a little bit all over with um, life and work and things. I'm definitely kind of, yeah. I think before Christmas I just didn't have enough time to start going to all the nights because I work a lot of evenings. But um, I've started to kind of make time to come to nights like this one especially. Um, speakeasy um yeah speakeasy yeah. Yeah, <laughs> we're, we're waiting for that to happen somewhere. um just in case <laughs> um but yeah i think um there's a couple of really cool venues as well that i can like i'm not sure if any nights are running there yet and i think there's definitely a space maybe on i don't know because obviously there's a lot of open mics and spoken word nights yeah. running already but i think there's always there's room always, for more yeah there's always room for more i think a lot of it is you know yourself you just need to check what's clashing and stuff like that. Absolutely, and yeah. You can just plan around, can't you? And yeah, just that's what we do. So yeah. that's what we, we've been quite lucky this night here. Like it's, I think there is other nights on the same night as us, but we've been generally been getting packed out for about a year in here now. That's really wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Last month we got over 50, 50 people in there, so that's why I wanted wow. you down here early today. So. No, no, I'm glad you did. <laughs> like yeah. we did one. Um, was it last month for Julia? I said one before. Last month, month, last month yeah. it was, and she arrived. She's about to drive just after you did. Mm. And the time we got into doing the poetry, but people were pouring in, they were. Yeah, yeah. That's why there's a case of what, right, quick. Yes, sorry, done. I was getting late. You're getting time today, so it's no problem with that. Now, obviously, the session, the session will be going live after. Mm. You're, you're, you've got, I know you've got a big reading coming up with Harry Baker, haven't you? I do, yes. In York. 
Tell us about that then. How how do you how did you get that slot? Then? Um, that's oh, it's, um, so there's a wonderful um, poet called Henry Raby who runs an uh, amazing kind of spoken word. He's like spoken word nights or um, and slams in York that are under the name <laughs> Say Out and um, would honestly recommend going to any of his nights. They're absolutely wonderful. And I performed in a slam there in November. And it went very well, which was good. I ended up winning, which was ridiculous. Well, yeah. oh, well done. Thank you. Oh, well done. <laughs> I've never, I've never competed in. A, I normally, I've only competed in team slams before. Like, I'm not, I'm not. The slam scene kind of freaks me out a little bit because I think it's really hard to critique poetry and give it scores. I think that's really sometimes quite strange because yeah. it's obviously subjective art yeah. form. What yeah. one person likes, one person might not like. So I always I've, find it a bit strange. But um, I've been to a couple, and I think I read one about ten years ago, and I won yeah. it, but I won't do it again. No, it's, it's horrible. It's quite yeah. scary because people it, are giving you like, scores, yeah. and you're kind of like, oh god, how do you, how do you give that a seven point three? Like, what does that come from? I mean, you worse when you get the audience absolutely drunk. Yeah, because then you just got hecklers and you got like all sorts yeah. going on. It's, it's, it's a possible number, honestly. So tell yeah. us about that then. So um, come, you experience a slam then. Yeah, it was. It was I, I didn't know about it, so I like, always like to hear stories. It's interesting. Um, so we got there. There's ten poets competing in the first round. Um, we all won it one by one, and then five audience members were given scorecards. So you had to, um, so you perform your piece, and then they'd be like, right, what do you give them? What do you give them? And then it was kind of the, the top four got through to the second round, and we all performed again. And then um, I like, somehow won that, and then formed a final poem. And it was it was a wonderful experience in the end. I don't know if I'd do it again in a rush, just because it's quite nerve wracking. It's very nerve wracking because it's where it's exhausting. It you is. Tell me get out there, you think oh, it's an emotional death. experience. Because I was competing against some friends friends as well, which luckily like we're all big fans of each other, so it was very supportive, and I had a great time. Um, but um, yeah, the slot for Harry Baker, came, um, so they needed some support, and they wanted a couple of poets um, who performed at the slams to, to support him so they said oh do you want to come do a 10 minute set for Harry before Harry Baker and he's like I can't he's just incredible he's absolutely a wonderful poet so this is this I'm very very like, honoured to be on the same stage as him he's amazing um, so that should be wonderful and yeah it's on March 15th in York and all the information on Facebook and things but it's yeah unfortunately it, this podcast won't live after that unfortunately oh yeah, okay let's assume so. it went really well yeah, I'm sure I'm <laughs> future confident. Amy has a great time yeah I'm sure it'll go well I've been putting that on it right so we'll be asking you questions obviously I'll see you a few messages on Facebook afterwards yes we yeah. can probably write the podcast up it went great that's fair <laughs> I, may, well. I, I may if it didn't I won't put that in one rubbish no it's fine it all went it's great it's not allowed back in your yeah <laughs> <laughs> well, if, we, if we see pictures of you of a tar and feathers on your back we know we yeah, yeah, well. what happened <laughs> <laughs> what plans do you have after that then, creative wise? Um, so I'm, I'm quite, um, I'm really excited. I'm working on a couple of projects. Um, the main one I'm doing at the moment is um, a friend of mine um, called Millie Wild is helping me, which is a great name. Um, it's a great name. She's right? brilliant. Um, she's helping me produce some um, poetry sort of videos, um, kind of professionally filming them. And oh, we've, yeah, yeah, we've picked three poems of mine. Um, we're going to film and record in different settings. Um, we had a we had a meeting about it today actually. Um, this one I uh, one of my oldest poems. It kind of feels like I always say it feels like it's like if the killers like the way the killers must feel about Mr. Brightside. It's like that's a poem I always end up doing. Um, yeah, but you do like it's when you get you get known for a poem sometimes, and if your writing moves on, you think, oh, do I have to do it? Again? Yeah, it's kind of come, I kind of had that weird relationship with that poem for a long time. It's called um, Coming Out in Weatherspoons, and it's yeah, it's it's <laughs> very fun. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's one that so we have a meeting about that today, and we're gonna record it in a pub soon. And um, it's just it's gonna be quite fun, I think, to have um, some kind of professionally recorded videos because obviously people film bits for you at open mics and things. But um, 
it's not always the same. It's not always like the best quality. So yeah. we're gonna, yeah, we're gonna do oh, some. Cool. Well, when's this happening then? Um, so over the next kind of, we're doing we're doing three in total. Um, we're starting filming next week, so it's gonna be one after another, I think. So yeah. Send, send us the links and I'll put them on oh, this we'll podcast. Do. Yes, thank you. This podcast <laughs> will be live probably May, I reckon now. Just okay, I'm yeah, we should. Hey, we should be there. But if yeah. we're not, then you can ask me questions about what I've been wasting time doing. <laughs> um, well, do you have anything else planned out apart from that? Do you? Um. I think it's getting to the point where I've kind of got a good amount of work that um, I'd maybe like to put together in some sort of little pamphlet. I don't know if I want to, I don't, I think I might, I'd like to self-publish something because I think a lot of the time, I think what makes you a, a poet and scare quote marks, I don't know, I don't know, I think, I think you can write and perform and that, that's you as a poet. I don't think you need to get kind of published by like Penguin or you don't need to be doing all these things yeah. to be classed as like a proper artist. Yeah. I, don't, I, don't think... I don't think you need to nowadays because no. I've done four, four self-published books now actually. Exactly. And, and I just that... think good for you because yeah. like why would you not when you yeah. when Amanda's done what you've done? Two poems. Yeah. She's done countless <laughs> novels. Countless exactly. Novels that's wonderful. Two, two full it's like we don't need to wait for permission yeah. for people to say yeah. we can do these things. So yeah. I'm, I'm going to hopefully put together a little body of work. Yeah. Good, luck, good luck. Definitely. If people want to find out more about you where are they best going oh they're best going on facebook um i have a page called amy king poetry um and yeah i post all my kind of uh, what events i'm going to or um any videos on there so um yeah that's the best way to find me sounds good to me well yeah. that's all my questions thank you so we'll pause recording and you'll do a few poems for us aren't you yes yes i am right. thank you again and that has been excellent stuff so speak to you all soon guys Spoken me. Hi, this is Andy again. Straight over to Amy, she's going to do a couple of quick poems for us. Over to you, Amy. So this first poem is called Eight Things That Prove I'm Growing. Number one. When a co-worker describes me as the little twat trying to ruin our country in front of everyone in the office for mentioning my politics, I don't reply, you fucking what? Or lamp her with my stapler. Number two. When a distant cousin I haven't seen in over a year declares with that tone of superiority that you can't really do anything useful with a literature degree, I smile politely and head straight to the bar because I know it will be a long night. Number three. When I mention to my uncle I'm staying with a friend in Brighton over the summer and he warns me to be cautious because that's where the gays are, I don't pour the kettle over his feet and instead make him an offensively milky tea. Number four, I don't come out to my entire family over Christmas dinner, despite the pleasure I would take in seeing the primitive ones choke on turkey because mama spent all morning making three kinds of stuffing and I remember how much they hated being called racists at Easter. Number five, when a female co-worker informs me that women drivers are worse than men, that feminism is ridiculous and she quite liked Margaret Thatcher, I lock my bullet eyes on the computer screen ahead and decide not to shoot. Number six, I say no to something I don't want to do. Number seven, I perform poetry on the street in Leicester, knowing full well that pedestrians can hear every word and the poem I have chosen says fuck quite a lot in the middle section and I love every stomach flipping minute. Number eight, I forgive the co-worker for describing me as the little twat trying to ruin our country. After her disciplinary, and plot the downfall of our government over my lunch breaks. Brilliant. Now, Amanda was worrying before that, dragging the tone of the podcast down. Very explicit. Still, I think you just took it with a bad language, but excellent. Sorry okay. about no, swearing. No problem with it. All I have to do. I'm not appropriate for radio, unfortunately. No, uh, what I always have to do when I do podcasts is yeah. if, there's an, if there's a warning on inoffensive or adult material, 
I have to put it on. In this I'm case, sorry, no, no, but it's, I, I'm fine. I find it great. I think that gets more listeners. Yeah, it, it does. Yeah. Before this is shocking material. <laughs> I like that. I can. I put that as an endorsement. What, Amy, King. What, yeah, and what? And the end. Spoken label. Shocking. Shocking material. <laughs> okay, go for um, it. Give us. Give, what would be the best? Take, take to a second one because people are starting to come in. Okay. Then we'll record you on, on the session later. Okay. Um. So the second one I'd like to do is called "Coming Out in Weatherspoons." Oh, great. Number one. I meet my friend by... Oh, part one. I meet my friend by the entrance. Suspense eager like a puppy in the cage of my chest. We head to our usual booth where she flashes the necklace her soon-to-be ex-boyfriend bought her this morning. His last silver attempt to mend the already dead, I suspect, knowing full well that chain will live longer around her neck than his name will in my head. Whilst the stage is set, I inhale the dregs of courage from my third IPA, hold the hand of my heart as she shakes and says, Now! Tell her now! as the cage door creaks and the words greet my teeth for the first time. I've met someone, I offer, into the conversation. And just like that, the grenade I've held like a fist for months is sat between our not-so-vintage plates with a smirk on its lips and a bag of popcorn. Sure, this next scene will be worth an Oscar. Wondering if I'll say the name on the card or the one that history prefers. I'm dating a girl, I whisper, looking for a pitch of Blue Lagoon to drown my panic. In that moment, I wonder, has anyone ever been this stressed in a Weatherspoons before? My heart says yes. Of course they have. This is Weatherspoons. Wilder things probably went on before breakfast. And I almost want to laugh, but my friends haven't spoken in over a minute. Taking the longest sip I've ever seen from an empty glass before asking, have you actually done anything? Which translates in our language to a kiss doesn't count. And I'm forced to account the way it felt the first time I had sex. As evidence, this is not a fantasy. This is me mean to hear it's okay to feel this way about another girl. I don't want to hurl the entire bowl of chips at her head. Because this is worse than I expected. And when the word phase leaves her tongue, I could punch a fucking wall. But I don't. Because I have no upper body strength. And I know my girlfriend will do it herself when I tell her this story tomorrow. Part two. We are three pictures in. Hidden in the back corner of the top floor like baubles in an attic. His gran asked if we were a couple again before he left the house in a smart shirt. And as I slurp the last of the purple rain, he looks at me with a wobble and says, Aim, I need to tell you something. And I reply, me too. I need you to know I'm gay. He breathes. And I reply, me too. <laughs> and any confusion we have in that moment is smothered <coughs> in sweetness, like icing sugar on a burnt sponge, and we lunge our hands into each other's, holding on to the way acceptance feels, and agree that our pact to marry at 50 still stands, but the in-between bits will be just grand, and there is no chance anyone is happier than us in Weatherspoons right now. And as I look my heart in the eye for the first time all night, she says, I don't want to do this forever. And I say, no, neither do I. But give it time for me. Give it time. Fantastic. Thank Excellent you. stuff. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. You've kept me in a manner enraptured there. <laughs> <laughs> that that was very kind. Yeah. Thank you. It's been a fantastic session. Of course, we've made part three now, or well, we're going to try to record you <laughs> later on. So Thank you so much seem, for having me. It's been great fun today. I really enjoyed doing this today. So it's Thank always you. good when you, meet, you do sessions with people you don't know them. Yes. And you come with, you feel like at the end of it, you know people. Yeah. And that's why I, we felt like, I felt like I really, really got to know you. you know, Thank you. I've had a lovely so. time. It's been great. I will look forward to helping you. It's big easy, isn't it? So this is Andy N. Thank you, Amy. We're going to all go our drinks now, so we'll be starting. So, <laughs> see you soon, guys. Bye. Spoken, mate. Number one. <coughs> and a co worker describes me as the little twat trying to ruin our country <laughs> in front of everyone in the office for mentioning my politics. I don't reply 
You fucking what? <laughs> lamp her with my stapler. Number two. When a distant cousin I haven't seen in over a year declares with that tone of superiority that he can't do anything useful with a literature degree, I smile politely and head straight to the bar because I know it will be a long night. <laughs> Number three. When I mention to my uncle I'm staying with friends in Brighton over the summer and he warns me to be cautious because that's where the gays are. <laughs> I don't pour the kettle over his feet and instead make him an offensively milky tea. <laughs> <laughs> Number four. I don't come out to my entire family over Christmas dinner. Despite the pleasure I would take in seeing the primitive ones choke on turkey because mama spent all morning making three kinds of stuffing and I remember how much they hated being called racists at Easter. <laughs> <laughs> Number five. When a female co-worker informs me that women drivers are worse than men, that feminism is ridiculous, and she quite liked Margaret Thatcher, I lock my bullet eyes on the computer screen ahead and decide not to shoot. Number six. I say no to something I don't want to do. <laughs> Number seven, I perform poetry on the streets in Leicester, knowing full well that pedestrians can hear every word and the poem I have chosen says fuck quite a lot in the middle section and I love every stomach flipping minute. Number eight, I forgive the co-worker for describing me as the little twat trying to ruin our country. After her disciplinary, and plot the downfall of our government. <laughs> <laughs> and plot the downfall of our government over my lunch breaks. Thank you. Yay. Cool. Um, so in the summer I took on a bit of a project with myself um, that was to kind of write <coughs> poems about things that make people uncomfortable because I thought if I can open up a conversation and get up on stage and talk about something then chances are someone else in the room feels the same thing and that's probably a good way to get people talking about uncomfortable things. So uh, this last poem I'm going to do is called It's Fine to Get Checked for an STI. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. You heard me, it's in the air now. Sexually transmitted infection. Doesn't sound sexy, does it? Doesn't go down well at dinner parties. Best press your thighs tightly together and pretend you didn't hear me. Pretend only certain people catch them. Pretend we don't all have a friend who has one and is still living their best damn life. Then rewind a few weeks. See me strut to the front desk in a dress that says I'm not here to fuck about. My words land uncertain as paving slabs on the lap of a lady as I ask for an STI checkup. Please. No, I've got no visible symptoms, but it's been a while and I'd like to be sure. And I can guarantee the nurse on the other side of that door will have no opinions on my sexual activity. She has seen it all before, literally warts and all. She's mastered the art of discussing oral sex like it's bus stop small talk. She has seen more vulvas this week than I as a gay woman will see in my entire life. <laughs> and above all else, she does not give a toss if you've shaved or not because she has a job to do and she tackles it with empathy. Because like you or me, she is also a person with a body and a mind and knows that no one feels comfortable talking about STIs. I certainly don't, and I'm the one who wrote this poem. But until we normalise taking care of our insides, these sexual stigmas are going to persist. This isn't meant to be an embarrassment parade. This is people unashamed, sexually liberated, staying safe, because why the hell would you trust Google or yourself 
for a diagnosis. I mistake spots of chocolate for new freckles on a daily basis. I am not trained to know what is going on down there and chances are neither are you. Just book an appointment. This includes the men who those places aren't just for contraception and free condoms. We need to step up, start taking care of ourselves. Knowing full well that walking through that clinic door does not automatically mean you're carrying a disease. It just shows you're taking responsibility for your own body. And if there is something wrong, at least you're facing it head on. Like the girl who sits beside me who titters as she flicks through a clipboard, prodding fingers at questions that to her sound ridiculous. As if I'd ever be paid for it. As if I'd ever be forced. I envy her innocence as she giggles, flips the paper, ticks simpler boxes and moves on. Because to her, this clinic trip might be nothing more than a joke or a dare manifesting into accidental action, but if it gets her here, then what does that matter? And if you've never been, I will come with you. We'll make it a day out, we'll get the gals together, go for cocktails after, print matching t-shirts. If you're feeling extra, I'm not bothered about the effort it takes, so long as you're staying safe, feeling unashamed and taking care of your body the way it deserves. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Amy. Hope to see you back. Spock, thanks again for listening to another session of Spoken Label. Our full archive can be found over on Bandcamp at Spoken Label. That's one word. Spoken Label. Full stop. Bandcamp.com. And there is over 150 sessions there. So I'm sure that if you've enjoyed this session, There'll be something else that you can enjoy as well. Take care. Bye-bye. Spoken later.